Hi, hey, hello, and welcome to the first episode of The Educated Fan. The first episode of The Educated Fan, but like the 77th episode of this show in general. Welcome. My name is Brandon, and I'm joined here by your co-host, my best friend, Andrew Moore. We have a new name. We do a much easier name for the people, especially those that don't know about us, can can find us easier. Hey, we've got a website now. You've been you've been working hard on that website. Yeah, it was uh, almost a full eight hours workday of work, probably. You never know it looking at it, but hey, it's up. I think it looks good. Andrew thinks it looks good. He's always easy to impress with uh, the production stuff that I do, so works out that way. Um, but yeah, we're uh, just the ED educated fan now, not uh, erectile dysfunction, but no H. Um, no, at least not on my end of things. Let's go, you know. Um, <laughs> what a start. Um, but yeah, it should be easier for people to search on, you know, YouTube, maybe even Google. Maybe we'll just pop up on Google. Um, I think now when we when you type in educated fan, all of our stuff will come up instead of having to add the H. So, hey, tell all your friends about the educated fan. Yeah. I wonder how many times Brandon's going to screw that up going saying educated when we're just educated now. No more. Let's keep a running tally the, on that. The, the, uh, the promo video for the announcement that we did took a lot of takes. I was going with <laughs> the initial one was really, really good up until like the last 10 seconds. And I was like, ah, that's not that bad. And then I sent it to my buddy Skyler. And I was like, what do you think of this? Um, and he goes, ah, you need to fix that at the end. And I was trying to cut it up <laughs> and play with it and like just be able to record the end of it. I, I had to redo the whole thing. And then it was like eight takes after that. So the first take was near perfect. And then it took me like eight takes to finally just get it right. But, um, yeah, it, it was a bad decision to go with the educated fan from the get-go. It was my idea. Um, <laughs> you're owning up to it. It was a bad idea. Um, you know, some people were a fan of it, but just in regards of, you know, people just being able to find our pocket. I saw a guy in the gym when I was still in Virginia, and I was like, hey, man, um, like, he was wearing a Colts hat or a Colts shirt. I can't remember. I was like, oh, man, like, I don't see a lot of Colts fans around here, you know, which was true, kind of. I, I actually see more out and about in random places than I ever expected to. Um, but he, he was like, yeah, like, and we got talking, and I told him about the show, and I was like, eh, just look at our logo. I don't know how to, to I'm not going to spell it for it. Just look this up. Now I can be like, it's called The Educated Fan. Just look it up, and you're going to find it. So There you go. That's good. Um, so, Andrew, today the saga continues. The uh, Colts position previews here. Today we're going to talk a little running back. We're going to talk a little news around the league. Uh, and you're a uh, new kid at school. Not a lot uh, Not a lot of news this week. Um, as the Colts are no longer in OTAs, um, all the media availability stuff is a little old. Um, but I did watch some of that today. I was kind of catching up. On that, I've been pretty behind um, in regards to that. But, yeah, let's get it rolling here. Um, running backs, Andrew. Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Marlon Mack's back. Uh, number four, I don't know. We'll get there. We'll talk about it. Um, but a little difference between, you know, last year and this year, while the names and faces in the running back room aren't much different, um, you know, I, I definitely think the depth chart, the technical uh, look of the depth chart is definitely going to be a little different uh, with Jonathan Taylor at number one. Yeah, I think, I mean, remember last year when we, we came into this year or 2020, 
We were thinking about a one-one punch of mm-hmm. Jonathan of Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor, with Marlon Mack being the starter and and Jonathan Taylor kind of slowly coming along. And then we both thought, I think, eventually that Jonathan Taylor had a good shot of becoming the the mm-hmm. lead dog and the starting running back. But but we thought it was going to be more of that split 50-50. Well, then you fast forward to quarter number one of the first game of the year, and Marlon Mack tears his Achilles and that yeah. one one punch lasted all 15 minutes so it definitely didn't go as as planned but but I think it almost panned out for the better for Jonathan Taylor because we, he was thrown in thrown into the fire right there mm-hmm. and, and I mean we talked about it at nausea one of my favorite sayings last year when when Jonathan Taylor I mean he didn't start out great I mean it was a little bit of a rocky start for him but yeah. as we as the year progressed and as he started getting more carries started getting more comfortable in the NFL offense I mean Jonathan Taylor took off and ended up third in the year third in the league in rushing so I mean yeah it is different uh, it's it's basically the same group of guys as mm-hmm. last year but I think but Jonathan Taylor's obviously gotten better Naheem Hines has gotten better from from where he was at the beginning of 2020 Marlon Mack, it's, it, there's a lot of question marks with him coming back from his from his Achilles. And then, I mean, there is Jordan Wilkins there running back four, but there's some other names that we're going to talk about uh, that could possibly be in the mix for that as well. So, I, uh, But I think it's safe to say the running back position is one of, if not the strongest position group that the Colts have. I think it's one of the better, if not, one of the it's it's one of the best running back rooms in the league, um, especially yeah. now with the way Naheem Hines performed last year. Andrew um, Jonathan Taylor, though, let's, let's try to stay on him at first, I guess. Um, you know, you mentioned him kind of struggling early in the season. I didn't view it as struggling. I viewed it as he was playing more like a rookie. He never he didn't do anything terrible. You know what I mean? I mean, he had a, what a fumble or two, um, but nothing you know awful. And you know, it was just kind of like. We talked about a lot last year when he did start to pick up. It was, it was like he was catching up to the speed of the game in the NFL because um, he was getting holes. Like, he had holes, and we were like, hey, man, you know, right there. go <laughs> Blast through that one. And he was kind of hesitant, uh, maybe just, you know, being a little too picky, or maybe it was just that he was seeing the game, you know, a little slower than he needed to. Um, but, yeah, throughout the year, obviously, just started to absolutely explode. Um I remember like every game, like is today the day he gets his first touchdown? Is today the day he gets his first touchdown? It took a few weeks, but he finally got in the end zone. Um, But yeah, in regards to how he's going to stack up against the competition this year, I saw this blasphemous uh, Instagram post. Um, I don't know. It's one of those NFL top 100 accounts or whatever. You know what I mean? They put out their rankings and Mm -hmm. it, it was... Uh, top 10 players in each of the offensive positions um, in the, you know, running back, quarterback, yada, yada, skill positions. Um, And they didn't even have Jonathan Taylor in the top 10. Said, that's weird, because I'm pretty sure that rookie last year was number three in rushing. He's not even in your top 10 on his second year, full offseason. Are you out of your fucking mind? (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a mistake. So, and, and, and he did struggle last year though, at the very beginning. Cause I was, I mean, when I was doing some research and, and kind of just looking and stuff for my piece on kind of this subject this week, I, I mean, he did get benched against Baltimore for the fumble. And then when you look back at the Detroit game, I think he had like seven carries for like 12 yards. So it wasn't there were, he, he did have some bad games, but I think, I think you kind of, kind of touched on it though. He, 
as as the games went on, as he got more practice, as he got more game experience, the game started to slow down for him. Mm-hmm. And it, those holes that, that we were seeing on replay saying, well, you got to hit the hole here, hit the hole there. He was starting to see those in real time. Yeah. Those holes were opening up and he was hitting them or he was he was he knew where the offensive line and understood in the offense where those holes were going to be mm-hmm. based on the blocking scheme. And he was able to predetermine where those would be and kind of get to them a little bit quicker so he could hit the gas through. And I think and and one thing that is big is just is just that that he has a full off season this year yeah. where he went through a whole OTAs. He's he knows he's got a year under his belt in the nfl he knows what to expect so with jonathan taylor having that full off season it's it's not like he's learning learning the the game at the nfl speed on the fly and learning basically game plan game plan to game plan now he's able to really get into that playbook and and really digest the playbook and learn Mm -hmm. it at a completely different level because he knows what the speed of the game is now now it's too time to focus on the finer things to make his game better and and i do think i really do believe that at the end of the season I mean, as as Colts fans, we already think Jonathan Taylor's really good. But at the end of the season, I think we're going to get national attention. And I think people around the league will will realize and acknowledge that Jonathan Taylor probably will be around a top five running back in this league. I really think that Jonathan Taylor has that potential to have that big of a year. I could easily see another 12 to 1300 yards out of Jonathan Taylor, another 12 touchdowns. I I really think that he's going to even take that next step up and be considered an elite running back in the NFL. I, I, I don't see a reason that he can't average at least a touchdown a game. I, I think he could have an even bigger touchdown year, um, especially because I view him as well, a, a touchdown a game. But you got to remember the other running backs in this group that are going to be because the Colts are still going to at times ride the high end. I mean, there's going to oh, be yeah. games where Naheem goes off. There's going to be games where Marlon gets a couple TDs instead of Jonathan. So that's why I'm thinking maybe 11 to 12, kind of what he got last year. Sure. But I, you know what? I don't think, uh, in my opinion, that's kind of where I was heading is I don't think that the carries are going to be quite as balanced as the Colts planned on last year. Um, I think that especially in red zone situations or goal line situations, I think Taylor's going to be the guy that's in over Mac or Hines, you know, unless it is, you know, a pass. But hopefully he's improved in that department too. Um, so I, I don't think, I know we talk about the one, one punch all the time and that, and that, Oh, maybe we'll get to see what that was really going to look like. But I think Jonathan Taylor's ascension is going to, kind of you know make him the premier back eventually and I, I like to see obviously him not get overworked but I think the role for Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines compared to what we thought last season was going to be um, is going to be much more Jonathan Taylor heavy yeah and and I mean we'll talk about the other running backs roles mm-hmm. here in a bit but this 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 stat kind of surprised me that I found out this week Jonathan Taylor only played 47% of the Colts offensive snaps last year. And he was number three and in the league. And the dude still was, thir- was still third in the league in rushing and had, I think, 12 total TDs. So so if, if that goes up even, and he's even playing, you know, mm-hmm. 55, 60% of that. I'm not talking he, he needs to go up to like 90. But if he yeah. jumps up even a little bit from that 47 to like a 55, uh, he's going to get quite a bit more yards, I would think, and more touches. And that's just going to lead to better things for for this offense because we saw last year I mean 
feed JT. That was one of our favorite sayings last year because when, yeah. we, when we fed Jonathan Taylor the ball, it seemed like good things happened for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, yeah, I absolutely great things happened. And I, I'm, I'm trying to think of running backs that I, I really view that I would, I would say hands down will probably have a better year. Dalvin Cook is on that list. Zeke is not on that list anymore. Um, who else was ahead of him last year? Dalvin and uh, McCaffrey? Uh, no, because McCaffrey Henry, got hurt, didn't he? Derrick Henry, McCaffrey yeah. was injured. Um, if McCaffrey's healthy, he'll be up there. Uh, Alvin Kamara. Yeah. Uh, Nick Chubb. They're, they're, I mean, there are some very, very good running backs in this league. Yeah. So Jonathan Taylor is going to have to have a monster season for people to really consider him a top five back. And, and it's not like Jonathan Taylor's a perfect running back either. No. I mean, you remember in the game against Buffalo, he had, there were a couple passes that he dropped. He yeah. definitely needs to work on. He his wasn't the game. only one that day. Um, and I, no, but but the, at the same time, th- th- there are different things that he can work on. He still needs to work as, a little bit on pass protection. Mm-hmm. So those are some things that he could work on and, and things that I think he will be better at this year as well. Yeah, and the problem with being in Indianapolis, unless we're like top of the league, I mean like Peyton Manning days, 14 and 0, you know, we have to be the very tip top of the league for uh, the national media to talk about us and our players, you know, more than they do now. I mean, it, it, we have to be absolute one of the best teams, Super Bowl contender without a doubt, because Indianapolis just isn't a large market. I mean, the 49ers stunk last year, and I all I hear about is the fucking 49ers right now still. The Cowboys are yeah, terrible. Uh, I, think, I think what will help is having – Carson once under center because yeah. that's going to be a big storyline all year. How many times like are people going to talk about Carson Wentz and watching what he can do? Plus the Colts are on primetime now four times this year. Yeah. So the Colts gonna are going to get a lot more national attention and more eyeballs on the team. So there's going to be opportunities to them to go pr- out there and prove against really good teams because our, our primetime games are what against, uh, Against the Cardinals on Christmas Day. Christmas Day game is going to be big. At Baltimore Monday night. Um, we have the Thursday nighter against the Jets. But again, it's a, it's a New York team. So there's going to be plenty of eyes on that. And then uh, there was one more. Um, I'm blanking on it here. Uh, the game I'm going to Sunday night football at, at 49ers. There we go. So yeah. those those are all going to be big games with a lot of eyeballs on them. And, and I think it's going to be. Give, give a chance for some of these Colts players that, that should deserve national rec- recognition, not yeah. just Jonathan Taylor, but like a Kenny Moore, Kari Willis, Braden Smith, all these guys that we say are underappreciated. Darius they're going to have, have their opportunity to shine. Darius Leonard. I'm telling you, people know about Darius Leonard, that's for sure. It's unbelievable how underappreciated he is still, though. I mean, like, if you were just talking to... Even like a mediocre fan, like a little bit, you know, they pay a little more attention to the NFL. A fantasy football player, for example, you know, they play, they pay a little more close attention to the NFL than the average fan. So I think if you talk to a, a, a fan like that from another team, they, they'd be like, ah, yeah, sure, Darius Leonard. They don't, they don't really understand. Darius Leonard is an animal. Like people outside mm-hmm. the Colts fandom and the Colts locker, like I'm sure players and coaches from other teams appreciate him because he's an absolute monster and they have to game plan for him. But even Darius Leonard's underappreciated. Quentin Nelson um, is probably, I think, the most adequately appreciated player, you know, outside of just the Colts fandom. But yeah, it's crazy. 
I would honestly, I would honestly say DeForest Buckner is more underappreciated than Darius Leonard is because yeah. there's a lot. I mean, a lot of people talk about Darius Leonard. I'm talking about the guys that you don't really hear much about. Like you don't hear Braden Smith getting national attention. Ryan you Kelly. at least hear Darius Leonard getting national attention. Mm-hmm. Ryan Kelly, uh, Kari Willis, our offensive Kenny line. Moore. Those, those say, kind of our guys. offensive so line in it, general. Yeah, it's. But but kind of gearing back towards the towards the running back position, Jonathan Taylor, I think, will have opportunities to prove himself as an elite back this year. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm I, I based on the notes. You know, we've got Naheem to talk about next, but I'm switching it up. I want to talk about Marlon Mack first because in all reality, last year Marlon Mack was RB one, and now is Marlon Mack RB two? Is Marlon Mack technically RB three? Uh, what's the role going to be? And I guess that does kind of interchange with what Heinz is going to look like. But let's, I want to talk about Marlon Mack. I think Marlon Mack is probably still, in my opinion, running back too. Um, but I don't think he's going to get uh, the touches that were intended last year, as I mentioned before. Yeah, and I don't think he will either. And, and when we talk about kind of positions like on the depth chart – we also got to think that, that really the Colts don't think that way. They more put these guys yeah, in positions correct. that are going to succeed. They don't say, oh, well, now this guy's going to get this carries and things like that. So I think what Marlon Mack's role will be, first, I think the Colts are going to start him out slow because yeah. it is an Achilles injury, and that is one of the hardest injuries to come back from if you are a running back. So they're going to take it slow with him. They're going to make sure he gets his legs underneath him first before they just let him go full go. I think what we could could see is kind of a Marlon, not not necessarily as scaled back as this was, but maybe a a little bit more than how he was used when when the Colts had Frank Gore. So you remember Frank Gore was the starter. Marlon Mack was kind of that change of pace back. I think that's kind of how we could see Marlon Mack. Jonathan Taylor will be the main workhorse back. But we will see Marlon Mack come in in -hmm. certain situations, give Jonathan Taylor a spell in certain packages because there are probably some some sets that Marlon Mack just runs better than Jonathan Taylor. It's not saying he's a better back than Jonathan Taylor. What kind of sets do you think he would fit better in this certain part of the offense? I, I mean, it, it's tough because I since we don't really have much tape on, on Marlon Mack from 2020 to kind of see, uh, okay. I, I don't well, really on. know specific sets that I could give you. What about Marlon Mack's game, fully healthy, what you expected him to look like in 2020? What parts of Marlon Mack's game do you think are still better than um, – what you expect from Jonathan Taylor, knowing what we know now about Jonathan Taylor from the way he started to perform towards the end of the year and, and how much you expect him to progress. I mean, what things in your mind would you just shot in the dark think Marlon Mack can still do this better than Jonathan Taylor? Pass blocking, that's one probably. I, I uh, Probably pass blocking. I think Marlon Mack's a more patient runner than Jonathan Taylor mm-hmm. because we saw a lot of times where, I mean, we talked about Marlon Mack kind of be having a style like like Le'Veon Bell where he would kind of wait for those blocks to develop right. and then hit the hole at the right time. We saw Jonathan Taylor start to kind of develop that, but at the same time, Marlon Mack was fantastic at it, and it was something we expected him to excel at because of what he had shown us in the past. So I think Marlon Mack's a more patient runner. I think Marlon Mack has a little bit more 
while, while Jonathan Taylor has more maybe pure speed and pure downhill speed, uh-huh. I think Marlon Mack is more, I don't want to say more agile, but but if he can, and this is all dependent on too, if he can come back from, from this Achilles injury because of that, the burst yeah. and, and kind of those one quick, those one cut moves that, that you see in between the line that Marlon Mack made so many times in, in 2018 and 2019. So I think those are some of the things you could see just the, they, they're just completely different style runners. Jonathan Taylor is, is more of a downhill guy, maybe a one move miss kind of get out in open space and, and Marlon Mack's more patient you can do those one cut and, and, but you're not necessarily going to see Marlon Mack always be a home run threat like like Jonathan Taylor is so yeah. I think maybe in those types of situations you could see Marlon Mack get the ball more is if if we need a more patient runner back there and and Jonathan Taylor it just isn't getting it done that day but I but I don't think Marlon Mack is going to take the lion's share of, of running back snaps most games I think it may it might happen a couple times uh, each this year mm-hmm. just because the Colts like to ride the hot hand at running back and yeah. if he gets hot sure keep feeding the ball I don't have a problem with that but but I could see him it will probably be more of that situation where he is that that change up back that or the guy the I, I hate to say backup because it's not a true backup with how the Colts use their running back group but you know what I mean he'll come in for spells give Jonathan Taylor a breather and I think he can be used as a weapon in different ways than than Jonathan Taylor can throughout this offense leave it to Andrew though real quick to listen to me say hey hypothetically and him go yeah but let's talk about literally immediately I love it. I, I love I love coming up with ideas, and Andrew just shits all over him. Um, I'm I'm not a hypothetical person. I, I literally I I'll be spit like the facts. I say if this is going on, what what if this? Well, your what if why, is bullshit, and it's not the case. I'm, I'm just saying exactly. Pretty I'm, much. I, I expect when Marlon Mack steps back on the field that he's going to be close to 100 percent because I really really think this Kamoko Teray situation. Um, has had an impression on Ballard, and I think Ballard is going to make sure that his injured players, especially the ones that are supposed to be high-impact players, um, are not being put back on the field before they're ready. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I think... Uh, do you think do you think Mac is, is going to be used less than, let's say, Hines? I think it's very well possible. Because I think Naheem Hines showed last year just how big of an impact he he has on this offense. I mean, Naheem Hines, granted, different quarterback, the, this offense is going to look a, bit, a little bit different. But Naheem Hines was second on the team in touchdowns last year, and he led the team in receptions as a running back. He mm-hmm. had 63 catches last year. T.Y. Hilton only had, I think, 54, if I'm not mistaken. So, so Naheem Hines is is a vital part of this offense and and you heard him speak in OTAs. I mean, people called him a gadget guy and, and he got pissed. He said, I'm not a gadget guy. I hate when people call me that. Like I've never been that I've always played running back. And, and honestly, he showed last year that he can be a running back like The yeah. game on national television uh, week nine against the Tennessee Titans. It wasn't Jonathan Taylor that was carving up that Tennessee Titans defense. It was Naheem Hines, little five foot yeah. nine Naheem Hines, like a little bowling ball running through, running up between the line and getting huge gain after huge game. Not only doing it on the ground for like mm-hmm. 70 yards in a TD, 
he'll say I had like 40 some yards receiving in a TD. So that's why I think Naheem Hines, he's it's because he's such a versatile weapon for this Colts offense. And you're going to want guys out there, especially early in the season. That, that Carson Wentz can get the ball in their hands and they're going to make plays. I, and with with Marlon Mack still just coming back from this Achilles injury, and like you said, they're going to want to make sure that Marlon Mack is ready to go before they just throw him into the fire. Yeah. So I think Naheem Hines will be out there, and I think Naheem Hines has already established himself as like that third down back, the receiving back, the guy that they can count on, and and I very well could see Mar- Naheem Hines out-snapping Marlon Mack this year. Very well could. Um, RB4, who, did, who was behind Wilkins last year? Was it... Wilson? Was there a Wilson? Uh, I I honestly don't even remember because we only used really three yeah. running backs last year. I'd have to look, but but nobody nobody on the current roster behind Jordan Wilkins at running back mm-hmm. was on the roster last year for running back so and and i mean jordan wilkins we 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 love jordan wilkins for for what he is he he all he does the man doesn't complain the man plays hard on special teams he's one of the colts best special teams players and when the colts need him at running back they just throw him right in and oh he just goes out and averages like five yards a carry and gets the job done just incredible change of pace back makes big plays very consistent and and but now there is it is questioned where he, if he will be the running back for. I do think he has the inside track at running back four, and if it was up to me, I would probably pick him as running back four. The only yeah. reason I am a little uncertain is because Jordan Wilkins is entering a contract year. Yeah, but my guess is the Colts aren't going to re-sign him because sure. you you don't re-sign your fourth round your running back four to another deal. I could very well see maybe towards the end of this preseason, a team with running back injuries, Mm -hmm. desperate for a guy to come in. Maybe they offer Chris Ballard like a six round pick. So for Jordan Wilkins, I'm I'm sure Ballard would do that because by the way, they are thinking about this. And when I say they're thinking about this, go ahead. Which I was just going to say, which by the way, you know, a six-round pick doesn't sound like much, but it's more than nothing when you let him walk next year. You know, exactly, you don't get anything exactly. for letting and him walk. We also probably won't have a first-round pick yet next year, so we're already short on picks, and Ballard loves them picks. So if, you, if you're going to let him walk anyway, you might as well get something for him. And, and the reason I said that the Colts are thinking about this already is is Deion Jackson. Deion Jackson is a, an undrafted rookie free agent mm-hmm. out of Duke. The Colts offered him 40 a $45,000 signing bonus to sign with the Colts. And while that doesn't seem much when you see guys in the NFL getting signing bonuses for millions and millions of dollars, for an undrafted $45,000 is one of the highest signing bonuses you can give for a undrafted free agent historically. Mm-hmm. That's been one of the biggest uh, signing bonuses and the kid is uh, has blazing speed he ran a 4-3-2 at his pro day mm-hmm. and he's he's also good on special teams so and and i think if we haven't really done a roster prediction yet yeah. but i think if the Colts are going to keep that streak alive of like 22 23 years of having an undrafted free agent on the team i think deon jackson is the best 
the best bet. Yeah. Because if the Colts do trade Jordan Wilkins, Deion Jackson signs for cheap and you still have a pretty stud running back four that can also play special teams for you. So I, I, I mentioned this in my article. That's definitely something to watch this preseason because people's like, Oh, who cares about preseason? Well, we've already given you reasons to care yeah. about preseason. Last week we said, watch Jacob Beeson. This week, I'm telling you to watch that battle between Jordan Wilkins and Deion Jackson to see who could come out as running back four. Love it. Um, yeah, I don't know anything about the guy from Duke because I don't watch college football. So, <laughs> uh, and you know, hate Duke. So, sorry, pal. Um, is that it? You got anything else on the running backs? We don't have any other Colts news. So, I, I'm just, I'm just excited about this group, man. I, I this is. Uh, this is honestly to me, I think the Colts have their best stable of running backs that they've ever had. It like honestly, when you've got a, a, star, a budding star in Jonathan Taylor, you've got Naheem Hines, who has turned out, if uh, maybe not to people outside of Colts fans, but Colts fans know how big of a weapon he can be. We've seen Marlon Mack and what he can do when healthy. So if he can bounce back from that and be healthy, that's three legitimate starting running backs in the NFL. Yeah. All on one team. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this too, to help out. This is going to be huge for Carson Wentz back in 2017 and 2017 is an outlier for Carson Wentz. Statistically, they, it was just an unbelievable year, but we have seen when Carson Wentz does well, he has a great rushing attack around him. And that's what the Colts have. The Colts have, like you said, one of the best running backs rooms in the entire league. And I I truly believe that as well. So for them to have success and for them to get off to a a good start and continue to have success all year, that's only going to help Carson Wentz to rebound, get him off to a fast start, and then get him rolling as the season goes along as well. So I'm, I'm very pumped about this running back room for the Colts. September can't come soon enough, Vonda Young says, and she's damn right. Can't wait. Um, let's talk about some other things going around, going on around the league, Andrew. Um, not a lot. I mean, there's just not. It's that time of year. Here we are. We found it. Not a lot. You know what? I had a lot of work to do with the whole name change. Otherwise, I'd have probably started our little, um, you know, division breakdowns for each NFL division this week since this one was so short, especially. Um, but you know, I had to do a lot of work today for just to make all of our socials and the podcast look right with the new name and everything. So patience, young ones. So Divi- news running. Hey, division breaks one. Division breakdowns are coming next week, so it gives the people something yes. to look forward to. That was probably right, right now. What what uh what division are we starting with next week? You pick. Well, of course we're gonna put I'm you on gonna the pick. Spot. It's my damn segment. It was my most impressive segment last year, probably <laughs> on how predictions and whatnot. I, pro- I didn't keep track of any of them, but... Um, we never do. I don't know. what's. Uh, I'm probably going to start with the division that I think is number one in the league. So that's going to leave me with... Who am I missing in the NFC North? Vikings, Packers, Vikings, Packers, Bears... Lions. Lions. Uh, yeah, not starting with them. Probably the AFC North um, or the okay. NFC West. One of those two. Like both of those. Yeah, I think those are probably the two best divisions in football going into this year. Um, 
but yeah, so we'll we'll start that next week. Um, maybe maybe comment on the YouTube video once it's posted. Not right now. Once it's posted, or leave a review <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, telling us which division you want to hear about first: Steelers, Browns, uh, Ravens, Joe Burrow, and the Bengals. God, Joe Burrow's so cool. He really is. Like, cool Joe Burrow is the coolest dude in the NFL. Um, or, you know, you got the Rams, uh, Seahawks, Cardinals, and the Niners. I mean, those are two really tough divisions. I'm excited to talk about both of those. Um, so, yeah. Patriots cornerbacks, Stephon Gilmore. Dolphins cornerback, Xavier Howard, were not present at their team's mandatory minicamps. Um, Stephon Gilmore, probably just not going to be a Patriot next year, if, he, if I had to guess. Dolphins cornerback, Xavier Howard, that's the interesting one, because that dude was eaten last year everybody want to talk about minka fitzpatrick nobody want to talk about Xavier howard that dude had a monstrous year i think he had an interception in almost every single game it felt like um he's kind of just wanting an extension right now from what i understand the problem with that is that yes while he had an amazing year this past year it's he's still early in his contract it's like a weird time for him to be like pushing for an extension already and the reason he is is because he's not making as much as he should be based on his production but the problem is the year before that he was hurt so it's this year feels like uh if you have another great year then you're going to get your you know your money um but i think it's a little weird timing for him and and just too early for him to be making this push but hey Go get your money. I think if you're Stefan Gilmore, I, yeah, I, I mean, I could even see the Patriots possibly trading him before the season yeah. if they get a good enough offer for him, uh, because I mean, it just does not seem like he is he's happy in New England, and there's been talks all off season about him possibly being traded so that's definitely something saving howard but man he was you you're not wrong he was a stud last year and i think that's why this is happening is because he wants to cash in on on his performance from last year and wants to make sure that he gets paid rightly for it so it's going to be interesting i mean they they held out of because ota is pretty much done mandatory minicamp i think for at least most teams is is pretty much done so we're gonna have to see if this does drag into training Training camp because the for players now with the new with the CBA, if you hold out into training camp, it's you get sharper and sharper fines for that. It's not just that those can be yeah. forgiven or those don't mean anything. It's it's big time money when you skip out and hold out on on training camp now. So I'm sure the teams are going to be working with them through through the summer to try to get something done. Um, it's just going to be definitely something to watch as we get closer to the end of July when when camp begins. Yeah, uh, Tyler, Tyler sent me, uh, or my, our friend who's a Miami Dolphins fan, uh, sent me a message about Xavier Howard. You know, uh, there's rumors that like he's real ready to dig in and uh, miss some serious time. Um, and Tyler is not happy about that. And I, I kind of, you know, through <laughs> some of the national media I listen to, um, just my impression of what will likely happen is he'll be back. Um, I get that people are, yeah, of course he's going to say he's ready to dig in. But at the end of the day, I think especially because that defense, you know, hinges on, you know, good cover two man-to-man defense, um, I think he'll be back. Um, look at that. Tyler gave me some of those stats. Um, but anywho, <laughs> moving along here, Vikings re-signed defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson after – after two years with the Browns. Oh, he left and came back. Yeah, there so we he, go. 
Yeah, so he was originally with the Vikings, then went to Cleveland for a little yeah. bit, but was released this offseason once they signed Jadavion Clowney. Then he goes back to that that Vikings defensive line, which which a couple years ago, that Vikings defensive line was thought of to be one of the best in the league. So now, now he rejoins that and sees if they can kind of regain what they had when he was there in Minnesota those couple years ago. So that's going to... It's going to be something fun to watch, I guess, if you're a Vikings fan. Yeah. Um, this here's, here's the real fun stuff. COVID guidelines for 2021 NFL season um, have been set. We're not going to go into much detail, but I do think it's important to talk about why this matters uh, and, and how the guys who are choosing not to be vaccinated are going to be affected and how the guys who are going to be vaccinated um, are affected. Now, I'm not telling you to go one way or the other. I'm not saying the players should go one way or the other, but I am telling you right now that the players who aren't vaccinated are not going to have as fun of a year as the guys who are. Right. And, and I think, I mean, whether it's true or not, it almost seems like the NFL meant for it to be that way. So basically, if if you are vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask around the facility. You don't have to get daily COVID testing. You, you don't have to go through those protocols that you did last year. But, but if you aren't vaccinated, if you're not getting vaccinated, it's basically what 2020 was all over again. You yep. have to stay away from your teammates. You have to wear a mask, daily COVID testing, even on days off. So, and, and it almost seems like from what I was reading too, that you can't, that the, the players that aren't vaccinated won't be allowed on the team charter. So it's, it's, yep. it's making their lives a lot more difficult. And, and a lot of NFL players that, that are choosing or not to get vaccinated or haven't yet just because they're they're either do wanting to do more research personal choice whatever it may be they, they're not happy about it and it's definitely something that they're talking with the union about and it's it just seems like it's gonna it, this isn't gonna go away this isn't gonna be a, a an issue that that just everyone says okay we're gonna get vaccinated because there's there's guys that don't want to and it and honestly it is their choice so i, I you can't fault them for that being their choice and it's just gonna be interesting to see how this all plays out and, and kind of what comes of it from from the players the league and as we get closer to to training camp where everybody's back in the facility uh, it, it could it could end up being a mess for for some guys that's for sure well i got news for you the 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 rules are set the nfl and the nflpa agreed to this already you know what i mean the nfl is not going to mm-hmm. change their tune they're going to do what's best to protect um the players and coaches on the teams and you know, competitive team, you know, the opposite team, they're going to do everything they can to protect everybody around because they're trying to make this year be as close to normal as possible. And if, you know, unvaccinated people and players threaten that period, um, you know, so the NFL, the NFL can't make the players, the NFL can make the coaches by the way, uh, cause they are not a part of the union. So the, you can expect the coaches to be vaccinated most likely, but um, you know, your players are going to start, I mean, just on a jealousy standpoint, like, oh man, I can't hang out with the guys. I can't be in the in in the, you know, the locker room or the the meeting rooms the same. I've got to have a mask on, or I have to be virtual. Um, I can't ride on the same charter or plane with with the guys. I got to be separate. Uh, I mean, there's going to be so many different things, but I think one that's really going to get people, Andrew, is you know, the the testing every day, the COVID testing every day again. Um, that means on bye week, for example, you can't go home. 
That means uh, the week you have a Thursday night game, uh, and you, you would normally have a nice little four-day weekend, especially if you win, where you can go out and celebrate. No getting to go out with your boys and celebrating. You're, you know what I mean? Like, there's just a list of things mm-hmm. that, you know, this has an effect on, and I, I think that's what's going to end up getting players to cave. But not only that, the other teams that are more vaccinated than, the you know, than yours or ours or whoever, you know, they're going to have a competitive advantage, you know, because they mm-hmm. don't have to worry about all this shit, one. Two, they don't have to worry about, um, you know, limits in the locker room. They're going to get to work just as hard. All their guys are going to be in the same rooms for meetings. Um, and also, you know, they don't have to worry about an outbreak issue. Their, mm-hmm. their players are going to be there for game day. So, I mean, there's a lot to, I mean, even even your personal beliefs on the vaccine, I mean, there's just a lot to push you towards just saying, screw it. I'm just going to get it and get it done. Those guys need to do it now, though, um, in this window between OTAs and camp. Yeah, because, I mean, I, you obviously have to wait those those three weeks or whatever between mm-hmm. your first dose and your second dose. And, and then the, even after you get your second dose, there's still a time period before you're you're considered fully vaccinated, exactly. too. So it, it's and I think it, it's when you're talking about the Colts, there was a report that came out that the Colts are one of the lowest lowest number of t- or. How do I want to put this? One of the teams with the lowest number of vaccinated mm-hmm. players on their team that came out this week. So this this time off, it, it definitely gives them gives them time if they do want to change that or if they are still doing their research on it and, and, and wanting to make their own decision. It gives them some time to do that, but they really, if they are going to be vaccinated, they need to make their decision here soon so they can be full go by training camp. Because when you, when you get that second dose, I mean, some people that has no effect on it, it really didn't. My arm was sore, but it didn't really affect me. But there are yeah. other people where it, it puts them down and yep. you don't really want to feel that way in the middle of training camp when you're in hundred degree weather and going through pads and no. these hard workouts and everything. So you want to make sure you got that all wrapped up and all done before camp begins. If you are going to get it before the season, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes are going to share the cover of Madden 22. I don't think Patrick Mahomes has a competitive bone in his damn body. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's just no way if I'm Patrick Mahomes, I'm hanging out with Tom Brady for photo shoots for this damn video game uh, after getting my ass slapped in the uh, Super Bowl like he did. But um, I do have the cover. I think this is what the cover is going to look like. At least this is the image that uh, EA has released. This is EA's image, not ours. There we go. Look at me, all professional. There you go. Um, But, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady on there, MVP edition, Madden 22. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I really don't care if he did the photo shoot with Tom Brady. I can understand that. But I, I mean, you see guys really not not going at it as much as maybe they used to. It's not what it if used to that be. That makes sense. Like not that that competitive grudge. But yeah. but I mean, you you play Madden nowadays more than I do. I used to be realist. I used to be religious playing Madden. Like there was times when I was oh in my teenage years like I don't know, 14, 15, where mm-hmm. I, I had one year where I was like 10 to 12 seasons deep in franchise mode. I mean, absolutely loved that game. I can't so, even make it through one season of franchise and, and every mode. Every year, players love to see. <laughs> oh, I love franchise mode now, but it, now it's gotten repetitive because they don't, they don't seem like they like to change the game. EA kind of 
puts adds a adds another number on it, adds a different cover athlete, and just gives you the same game from the year before. But That's I, just not I true. digress. Um, I mean, yeah, it's players. Players like the to see who's on the cover. They like to look at their ratings, stuff like yeah. that. So we'll and we'll we'll probably talk about the Colts ratings on the game when in August when it gets released too. So yeah, I was actually playing some today. Um, there's they've got some new game modes in there. I was fooling around with one, but yeah, I tried starting franchise mode. And I was like thinking, like, oh, I'll learn about the salary cap more this way, and I'll, I'll, you know, figure some other things out about the inner workings of the game. And I'm like, twenty minutes. I'm like, I don't want to do this shit. This is a lot of work. I just want to play games like <laughs> against people online. I do play the. It's the face of the franchise. You bring a guy up from like high school through college to the NFL. Um, but this year on twenty one, they kind of watered it down, and they like forced me to retire after eight or nine years. I'm like. Russell Wilson's kind of just getting started. You know, that they made me retire around Russell Wilson age. You know, they're act like all the like cutscenes and stuff were like I was old as hell or something. I'm like, what is happening in this game? And it basically kicked me out. You can't you can't play every single game, so I couldn't go undefeated my whole career, you know, playing on rookie. Uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't do any of that. It was no fun Cheater. at all. So well, it's not cheating, Andrew. It's playing on a lo- lower level. You know what I mean? I'm I'm no professional. Embrace, embrace a challenge. Embrace a challenge. There, I do, I, but listen, there's something in, fun. That, that's why back when I used to play Madden, there's I would something, kick your ass all the time. There's something fun about seeing like 57 to 3, you know? It's just a good time. Makes you feel good about yourself. <laughs> all right, Andrew, let's move it along. Um, we do have your favorite segment um, coming up here, and I'm just ill-prepared because I've been sitting here talking about... Uh, Madden. So we're just going to have to skip over, you know, the fun photo and everything and go right into Andrew, the new kid at school. Basically, I just couldn't put the school school bell on the screen as fast because I just was not prepared. But anyway, the floor is yours, sir. New kid at school. So this week we're going on to the cold second pick of the 2021 NFL draft. Dio Dangbo, or as Brandon likes to say, Dio Odangbo. And it's on there on the screen for me, Andrew. Real quick. Dangbo was drafted. Real quick, before you get started, sorry. Um, This wonderful lag again. I'm trying to figure it out. I just am not quite there yet. Um, (laughs) I just can't understand why NFL Colts Colts reporters are still saying Dayo. I was literally listening to media availability stuff today. Dayo. His name's not Dayo. It's Dio. Move it along. <laughs> I think they'll get used to it by the time the season starts, hopefully anyway. Um, but but Dio Dangbo, he he was drafted number 54 overall in the 2021 draft, and he's actually the son of Nigerian immigrants. Um, they immigrated to the United States uh, before before uh, Dio was born, but he was actually born in Brooklyn, New York. That's where his parents had immigrated to. And then they lived there for, for most of his, his young life before moving to, uh, to Irving, Texas. And that's where, where Odangbo really, really kind of started growing into his love for football. You're down in Texas, everybody and their mother loves football down there. Yeah. And as he became bigger and as he became this athletic freak, that's that's when people really started to to notice his athletic ability. So he attended Ranchview High School uh, there in Irving, Texas, and, and he became a four-star recruit. Now, he, he didn't really put up 
too crazy of stats in mm-hmm. in high school and he really he really didn't win too many awards in the state of texas either he only had 108 tackles and and 12 sacks in his high school career so a lot of these guys you see them having like 12 or 13 sacks in their senior year alone but but odango just he wasn't like that didn't really show the production uh, but he did he did generate quite a few offers just because of how how big of a guy in his athletic traits that he has. Um, he had offers from, from Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor, Texas A&M, um, even, even Purdue. So he had all those offers, but in the end, he ended up choosing to go to Vanderbilt. Uh, and and I, one of the main driving forces of that is his brother, his older brother, Dare, currently played at at Vanderbilt at the time of him making that decision. And, and that definitely was a deciding factor as he wanted to play with his brother. And and really he he started to make an impact as a as a true freshman. He didn't start, but he he you could see he he had the potential. And he he played in 10 out of a possible 12 games. He still had two and a half sacks and even got an interception his his freshman year. Damn. And then that sophomore campaign that's when you that's when you started to to see him come on. So he joined his brother as a starter along the defensive line, had another two and a half sacks, uh, six and a half tackles for loss and two fumble recoveries. And then as as a senior, as he continued to just get better and better and better. And that's something that, that you see with with Dio is his film in college gets better every single year mm-hmm. and you see him get bigger every single year. So this guy, that, that's a good sign. You don't want to see him just kind of, he starts, starts well, but then it kind of just tapers off and you don't see constant improvement. This kid is still raw and he's got room to improve and you can see that every single year. But by the time he was a senior, he was named a second team, all SA, all, all SEC. And he was, uh, he had five and a half sacks eight tackles for loss and 32 tackles in eight games in his senior year. And then he was well on his way to being a first round pick uh, in this year's draft. And then unfortunately in January, that's when it took a turn for worse. That's where he tore his Achilles on the same day that that Colts left tackle, Eric Fisher tore his Achilles. um, He, Dial was training for the senior bowl. It was just a freak thing. Um, and, and that caused his draft stock to, to go down a little bit, yeah. which, which unfortunately for him, but, but good for the Colts is the Colts were the Colts are very high on him and they were able to grab him in the second round. Uh, but I mean, let's shift our focus to the Colts. How, what's the impact going to be for, for Dial with the Colts? Obviously it's going to take some time because he's still coming off that Achilles injury. The Colts probably aren't going to see him till, I would say October at the mm-hmm. earliest. And, and again, usually for, for pass rushers, it's going to take a little bit of time to, to get back to full strength after such a big injury like that. So we probably won't even see a full Dio Dangbo until the 2022 season. But, but as far as what he's going to bring to Indianapolis, huge stature, the dude's six foot five, 285 pounds, 35 and a fourth inch arms. He's basically a DeForest Buckner light. If you think about it. So DeForest is a little bit taller, a little bit more weight, but still long arms. This dude is a massive human being and and he can really play all over the defensive line. So you can, the Colts are going to primarily keep him at that left defensive end spot, typically over the right tackle, but he can also switch inside, play the three technique. If you need him to play a little nose. And and I was thinking about this. It's going to be crazy to see once he's back fully healthy, 
if you're in like a NASCAR package, you have Quiddy Pay and Kamoko Ture on the outside. You yeah. put DeForest Buckner and Dio Dangbo on the inside. Those are four ferocious pass rushers. So that's it's, that's definitely something the Colts really like. It's his position versatility along the defensive line. But like I said, they're primarily going to leave him as that left defensive end. Um, he's incredibly disruptive, and he's really explosive. Uh, the Colts director of college scouting, Morocco Brown, actually gave him the nickname of the human hurricane. And, and you can see that on tape. There are some clips on tape where he's off the ball and going – towards the quarterback before the rest of his defensive line has even left their snaps. So it's, it's pretty incredible that that explosion and that quick get off the line. Um, he, and he is still a little bit raw. I mean, he, he definitely needs to get, get a little bit more strength on him. Mm-hmm. And when you look at his tape, I think it was from his sophomore year to his junior year. He looks like a completely different player uh, just because by, by his physique because he put on some muscle. But I think he, he needs once he's in an NFL weight room, once he's back from from injury, you're going to see him get a little bit more, get a little bit stronger as well, because there are times where where he does have some issues staying on his feet. He can be run over a little bit. Um, there are some times where he can get a little bit powered in the run game. But but I think when you are. When, once that strength gets built in him, I think that will help solve those issues. Um, but but really, the Colts are just very high on him. And, and I mean, there was a lot of people, Brandon included, who didn't really get the pick in, in the second round. And, and but when you when you look at the tape and, and you see how you you hear how high Chris Ballard is on him, mm-hmm. how he, he thinks he can come back from the injury. How, how how he thought he was a first round prospect before the injury, yep. um, and and just the the traits that he has, that's what that's what sells you on him. And if Chris Ballard is that high on a guy, as a Colts fan, you should be high on him too. So the, uh, once he comes back from his Achilles injury, the Colts are hoping that he him and Quiddy Pay can be their ferocious edge tandem for many years to come. So um, that's Dio Dangbo, defensive end for the Colts. Yeah, he's going to be awesome. Uh, I doubt we see him at all this year, to be honest with you. Um, probably not a single snap. If, if I had we to guess. do, it'll be very, very sparingly. I, I do think he'll get some time on the field. Do I think he's going to be thrown into the fire? No. I, again, the Colts are going to bring him back slowly, and they're going to make sure he's ready before just throwing him out there, especially as a rookie. Yep. Um, that's it. That's the episode today. Uh Go follow our new socials if you haven't already. Just some new names. They're still the same accounts. Um, go check out the website, theeducatedfan.com. Uh, I've got some cool stuff on there. You can actually watch the live streams. I have no idea if it is working right now or not. I guess I don't have a way to test it while I'm recording and busy. <laughs> but it, technically, you should be able to watch it right now through the website, not have to go through YouTube if you don't want to. Um, hopefully, we're easier to find now on YouTube and all the things. Um trying to think i had something else to say for for the podcast listeners uh just spell it out one time spell out what our new apps i just don't think i'm not doing this every episode i'm not doing this every episode go follow us at the the educated fan we have new ads that's true okay go follow us at the educated fan underscore that's at T-H-E-E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D-F-A-N underscore because some asshole has the educated fan for some damn reason, doesn't even have a picture. <sighs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so go follow us on all the things. Um, 
we will be live again, as far as I know, next Sunday. Um, yeah, I guess the end of this episode really stinks. So the name changed, <laughs> but not much else has. Uh, until next time, guys, go Colts. I fucking love football and I love you guys. Go Colts. <laughs>